Hello and welcome to the 11th podcast of Edition VFO. My name is David Kellett and I'm speaking to Gardar Aida Einason today. Gardar is joining me from Tokyo and we will be talking about his three new photograph wars named Risk Reduction Strategies for Law Enforcement that are currently being shown in our exhibition on photography. Hello Gardar, thank you for joining me today. Regarding the works, I would be interested to know like how you approach working in different media, like painting, print and installation, also being at Art Basel recently. I've seen different works. You had uh, like typographic works directly on the wall. There are works in paintings. Um, and so where do you see the differences in approaching like to work in different media? And uh, yeah, how did you come to the themes in the current work that we show at Edition VFO? Yeah, so yeah, my work is, I use a lot of different media in my work. Um, and it's usually just kind of based on what I think is going to work best with the kind of source material that I have to work with. Um, so I usually have a lot of material kind of lying around and then sometimes I'll kind of immediately know how I want it to work. I mean, because it's related to a few things, for example, scale. So some things I think if I do paintings, they're usually kind of a big scale, um, which is usually kind of like my body, like if I stretch my arms out. <laughs> so I just, so, so certain imagery I feel like works best on that scale because it's kind of playing with this idea of it being monumental or being this kind of authoritative statement or something like that. And other things I think work better in a smaller scale. Sometimes I think, you know, it works better in a technique that's a little bit kind of antiquated or something like that, which I think was the case with the project we did together. I thought there was a nice kind of contrast between both the kind of very kind of casual nature of those kind of torn out book pages, but also between the kind of, yeah, this kind of everyday look of both those images and that text and this kind of laborious old-fashioned way of reproducing them so for me there's also a lot of kind of humor in that seeing a lot of your work before also i mean you work archivally in a way or with archives and there is a lot of appropriation that you use in your work so do you have a kind of a set archive which you constantly work with and the materials that you source from it Or is it an ongoing process that um, that there is, I mean, the question is rather if you have already a big archive where you constantly work on or if it's also the everyday inspiration that brings you to kind of new works. If I look back to my work over the last 20 years, it's been basically circling around the same issues for that time. So... I, I do have at this point a pretty big <laughs> archive, but I do also still amass things on a daily basis. I mean, the things that I work with are the things that I'm interested in my regular life anyway. So, you know, I, I see a lot of information and I see a lot of material that I, that I collect then. And then, like I said earlier, sometimes it's obvious right away. I'll see something and I'll be like, oh, wow, that would work super well as, you know, a neon or as a painting or something. And then sometimes it's just like, this is a cool image and this relates to, you know, what I'm interested in, but I have no idea how I can use it in my project. And, and something still, you know, I still have stuff that's, you know, 15 years old that I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to really use this, but I still haven't used it because 
I haven't really found a way to translate it into my work yet. My work is about images. It's not, it's not really about the world, right? It's about how images are presented to us. So I'll, the images that I work with are, you know, I'll pick them because I think they say something about how meaning is produced through images, you know? Um, and then, then I, you know, I also have to kind of implicate myself a little bit. So it has to be cer certain things just don't work, you know, like they're too obvious or they're too straightforward. I want it to be something that relates, you know, to my own life in the world and something that that is is not just so obvious. I don't want it to be so extremely obvious what my own point of view is, even though I think, you know, it is a bit obvious because if you see my a lot of my work together, you can probably see sort of which side of the spectrum I come from. But but um, I, I just don't want my work to be too overly moralistic or simplistic, you know. So I try to make sure that I pick something that that sort of has that kind of vagueness to it as well. Okay, great. And then you said just in your answer, like issues of that time. So how does, if it changes, how does your work change? Like for the last 20 years, because it's also... You said humor before, but also the political issues. Um, like, how do you adapt these two to kind of uh, contemporary times compared to 15 years ago? It's kind of funny or, or sad or both that, that, that I think the world has become more like my work than it used to be in a way. You know, it's so the things that I was talking about, this kind of, you know, at least in the West, like the kind of sort of blatant kind of populism and repression is is even more visible today than it was like, let's say, 15 years ago. And certain things are already so ridiculous that it's really hard to make work about them. You know, I mean, like with with Trump, for example, it's like it's very difficult to make something funny about that because it's already so ridiculous. You know, it's like. There, uh, it's like this roast of David Hasselhoff where they said, how do you make jokes about the joke, you know? Um, but I think, but, but, you know, the main themes have been the same. The main themes in my work don't change. I mean, about, you know, how does one navigate one's own sort of personal freedom? You know, how does living in a society affect, you know, your own sense of agency? And those, like, as larger themes, I think those are pretty much unchanged but i think maybe today some of the kind of violence and and like real repression that i talk about is is more visible at least you know in in the west in the, U the us and europe you you mentioned two things that i would like to pick up on it's symbols like this symbolic way in which language kind of translates things and also how visuals translate things A recurring motive is flags, for example, or some signs. So what importance do symbols play for you? My kind of interest in, in flags and signs was that they were, to me, they were kind of like this like extreme version of a painting or something like that. Like a flag is like sort of basically the, the same kind of format as a painting. And it's, you know, <clears throat> its main purpose is really to demonstrate something. It's like to, to get something across. I thought it, it was this kind of like crystallized version of like what painting tries to do or something like that. But, but you know, yeah, like my work, 
does deal a lot with how people use imagery and symbols and language to get their sort of ideological point across. And so I think, for example, my work is very language based, even when there's no language within the kind of pictorial frame. The, the titles are always really important to me. And so I do think that, that it's all basically very textual. And I think at the same time, the text in my work is almost never intended to be kind of like straightforward or one-to-one. Like, you know, English is kind of a language of propaganda and advertising. So that's the language that I use in my work. And it's, and it's also, it's never intended to be read as like, oh, okay, this phrase is like the artist's point of view. That's what the artist means. There is usually like, it's also the text is usually like found somewhere. So, so it's like an appropriated piece of text and it's usually intended not to be taken at face value. The color that you use is mostly black and white. How does it come that you use this black and white, first of all, in most of your work? And then there was another body of work that you had, which goes into this gray, which is rather almost silvery work and this very striking pink work. Like how do these colors correspond to each other? And where do each of these come from? Initially, my work being just black and white was just that I just I just used black on like a pre-primed white canvas or, you know, black on white paper or whatever. So it was a way to just be, you know, like a like a Xerox, basically. So not not an image of the world, but just a copy of an image. I just wanted to have this kind of copy, like really oversimplified, like stencil Xerox look, you know, Just, just to kind of make clear that it wasn't really trying to describe the world in that way. And then <clears throat> after a while, I started getting a lot of questions about exactly that. Like, why is it only black? Why is it only black? So you, using the pink was kind of a way to just make a joke about that in one way. <laughs> you know, to be like, okay, well, if I'm going to use color, I'm going to use the most like extreme color I can think of, like, the, you know, I mean, obviously not entirely the opposite of black, but something very, very different from black. And then, you know, I thought it would be funny to do something where that the content was that color. So it was a color for me that was, first of all, like kind of a punk rock color, you know, like this neon pink. And it was a color that had for me, I was quite close with the, this guy, Steven Perino, this painter. So there was a little bit of an homage to him in that color. And then it was like a color of like, you know, it's just like a fluorescent, like a kind of danger color, you know, that you would use on a building site or something. Um, so it was, yeah, it was just this attempt to, to, to kind of make the, make the meaning be only the, the color or, be, or make the color be only kind of the bearer of meaning. Thank you, Gardar, and thank you all for joining us today. For more information on the current works of Garda Aida Einarsson or our exhibition on photography, you can visit our website www.vfo.ch. If you would like to request more information or images, you can write us an email to info at vfo.ch. Thank you for joining us and we would be happy to welcome you in our premises or if you join us for our next podcast.